What's up, y'all? I'm jumping on real quick to ask you all to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, make sure to leave me a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Why? Well, the obvious reason is, of course, I want to hear from you all and I want to know how the episodes are landing with you. But the more important reason is when you leave a review, it helps other people to find my podcast. So ultimately, you are joining me in the quest to helping others become more culturally aware by spreading the word and helping them to walk a day in my culture. So after you hear this episode, take a few minutes at the end and leave me a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change, one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the podcast. Joseph Lee, 1849 to approximately 1905. Stale bread. What to do with it? Joseph Lee can be credited with two inventions in baking technology, the bread crumbling machine and the bread making machine. During the late 1800s, Joseph Lee owned and managed the Woodland Park Hotel and was bothered by the enormous amount of bread wasted each day because it was a day or so old. He set about to find some way to use stale bread. Lee, a master cook, knew the superiority of breadcrumbs over cracker crumbs. Based on this, he invented and perfected a machine which, by a tearing and grinding process, reduced the bread to crumbs. In his hotel kitchen, these breadcrumbs were used in making croquettes, elapsed oysters, dressing for poultry, batter for cakes, puddings, and in frying chops, cutlets, fish, clams, and oysters. On June 4, 1895, the U.S. Patent Office in Washington awarded patent number 540,553 to Lee for his bread crumbing machine. He sold his patent rights to a New Hampshire manufacturer, and in a short time, it became an essential piece of equipment in every first-class hotel kitchen and restaurant. The Royal Worcestershire Breadcrumb Company in Boston became a lucrative business by manufacturing breadcrumbs with Lee's machine. Joseph Lee didn't stop with the fame and money from his first invention. He went on to invent the first machine for making bread, for which he received a second patent from the U.S. Patent Office. Lee's bread-making machine did more than just mix the ingredients. It also kneaded the dough better, cheaper, and more hygienically than the bare hands of a baker. Only two or three men were needed to operate the machine, which could produce hundreds of loaves per day. By hand, it took nearly a dozen men to make the same number of loaves each day. The bread-making machine was more than a labor-saving device. The kneading done by the machine produced a higher quality of bread that was whiter, finer in texture, and softer. 
1902, a pamphlet issued by the National Bread Company, which manufactured Lee's machine, said, quote, the machine will produce 60 pounds more of finished bread from each barrel of flour, end quote. Lee's first job as a boy was in a bakery where he learned the general business of cooking and the art of making bread. From this boyhood job, he went on to a career of preparing and serving food. He owned two restaurants in Boston before owning the Woodland Park Hotel in Newton for 17 years. In 1902, he opened the Lee Catering Company on Boyston Street in the Back Bay where he enjoyed a large, wealthy patronage. During the summer, he took his culinary skills to the South Shore where he owned and operated the Cinquentum Inn, a fashionable summer resort known for its excellent fish dinners. Joseph Lee was a bread specialist, businessman, and restaurateur. His inventive genius in the food industry contributed greatly to the economic and industrial growth of Boston and the country. Hello, welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by simply talking with you about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. Y'all already know, I believe that if you can hear my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which should help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. So with that said, let's get into today's episode, which is entitled Starbucks, Did Y'all Forget? Now, as I mentioned in last week's episode, before getting started, just to continue with this cultural awareness, no matter how unfortunate this segment is, I am going to just have a moment of silence for Black lives that have been lost um, between episodes. And so unfortunately, we have two that we need to add, um, which is Dave Patrick Underwood. He was the police officer that was killed in um, Oakland, which is out here in California in the Bay Area. And uh, we have Tony McDad, who was killed by the police. I'm not sure the ins and outs, um, the cause and all that stuff, but that was a black life that was lost at the hands of the police. And we also unfortunately have a black police officer who was gunned down um, during one of the protests and riots in the name of George Floyd. So let's just have a moment of silence for these two black lives that were lost. All right, uh, before jumping into the episode, I also wanna just name police brutality that has happened since the last episode. So after the unfortunate killing of George Floyd, we have uh, Tania Pilgrim, if I'm saying her name right, and Messiah Young. This They were excessively tased by the Atlanta Police Department. And this is just police brutality at its finest. And thank God Atlanta came through and they showed up because all six of the police officers were fired. 
but it was something really, really difficult to see and really difficult to watch um, this woman be pulled out of her car um, and for the young man, Messiah, to be excessively tased. I swear I thought that he died. Um, thank God he did not and he was able to kind of talk to the press, but I'm just bringing this stuff to light to you guys because my my show is about cultural awareness and it's about my daily experiences as a black woman and as a black woman raising a black daughter having a black husband um having black family members these are the things that i'm subjected to seeing on a regular um and these are the things i worry about every single time i leave my house my husband leaves the house you know, this is real for us in the black community. And so, you know, I'm sorry if it's a moment of Debbie Downer, but I'm not here to sugarcoat what we going through as black people. And so I would be remiss doing this type of cultural work and tooting around talking about how raw and unapologetic I am if I just breezed past these things, especially during these times. And so I'm sorry if it's bothersome to some people that I'm starting the top of the show like this, but that that's what it is. And I wanted to add this police brutality portion mixed in with the rest and in peace because these two young people did not lose their life, thank God, but they were subjected to a traumatic experience that's going to follow them for the rest of their life. And mind you, these were Spelman and Morehouse college students. Okay, like just sit with that for a minute. What are you doing tasing college students that are minding their business? Why are we doing this in America? I'm confused. Anyway, that leads me to today's episode, which again is entitled Starbucks, Did Y'all Forget? Now, I thought about this title a while ago. It was inspired by... um me just being triggered. I was listening to a podcast and I I really thought I was going to be a supporter of this podcast. I ain't going to name what podcast this was because that ain't my business. I ain't trying to hate on nobody, but I was not going to be following this podcast just for the simple fact that this person mentioned that they had went and got them some Starbucks. And I just found myself triggered And so I came up with this title a while ago and I debated if it was even an appropriate title for today's podcast, especially given what is happening in society, you know, what has happened with George Floyd and the uproar that that has caused in America. And I decided that it is still very relevant for today. Um, And so that's the reason that I you know, decided to keep the title because it it really, once I break it down for you guys, it really truly speaks to the continued injustice that we feel as black people. Now, I'm letting y'all know, especially for you Starbucks drinkers, I'm going to most likely hit a nerve with a lot of you today. And I, I want to hit a nerve. Actually, I, I don't care if I hit a nerve. I want to, to hit a nerve. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to culturally tap dance on your nerves to help you hopefully make some different cultural choices if you are engaging in some cultural inappropriateness. So let me just loop back to 
um, the past and then kind of rewind forward and just, you know, kind of talk a little bit about today's title. And again, I'm, I'm so triggered all the time when I see people going to Starbucks and supporting Starbucks and walking around with their little Starbucks coffee cups or their Starbucks snacks. I just get triggered. I get so irritated and so triggered. And I get even more triggered when I see my people doing this. When I see black folks going to Starbucks and ordering and spending their money in this establishment, I just be like, what? Like, what are we doing? So if y'all don't remember, back in 2018, two black men were arrested wrongfully in a Starbucks in Philadelphia. And it was a whole big mess. If you don't remember it, go ahead and Google uh, the black man that was arrested in Starbucks if you've been living under a rock and don't know about this. Um, But when that happened, I wrote a whole newsletter about it and I vowed that I would never purchase anything at all from Starbucks. And let me tell you, I was a big fan of Starbucks. I'm not gonna get on here in front and pretend like I didn't like me some Starbucks. I had bought the Starbucks cups for my water. I love some of their drinks. I like their snacks. It just was my go-to place. But when I found out how these black men was treated back in 2018, these were two businessmen waiting for their associate to complete a business transaction, sitting and minding their business and waiting in Starbucks like we all do, right? And so I personally didn't want to forget the impact that Starbucks had on those two black lives. Um, and I, I began to to wonder, like, why did we forget about how those men were treated? And that's where this title again came from. You know, I see people all the time tooting around with their Starbucks drinks still. And remember, this was only just shy of two years ago. Like this just happened. And I just be shocked that people are still supporting a racist organization. Now, you might be like, well, Narissa, racist is just very, that's a very strong term for Starbucks based off of one person, one manager, one employee. I mean, racist might just be strong. And I'm gonna tell you, yeah, it is. It's a very strong term and I stand by my term because if you do your research, okay, it took Starbucks over a month before they implemented a cultural competent training program. So things like that would not happen again. Now, there are two major issues with what I just said. Number one, you mean to tell me in 2018, y'all didn't have no culturally competent program in place? Y'all didn't have that already at Starbucks? So we live in a world that's full of culture. You guys are, I believe, an international franchise? and you don't have culturally competent trainings on deck? Excuse me, that's problem number one. Problem number two is why did it take you over a month after the arrest, the wrongful arrest of these two men to implement a cultural training? Why did it take so long when this got national attention? It took you over a month 
to implement a program. So if that ain't teetering on, and I'm not even going to say teetering. I'm not trying to appease y'all. If that ain't racist, I don't know what is. And so because of that, I just, I just was like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm cool off of Starbucks. And I decided to like stick by my little mini protest or boycott or whatever we want to call it. I just know that I was not and am not and have not and will never spend my money to support a franchise that does not value my life or my feelings as a black person in this country. Um, I will not support a franchise that judges me or my people simply because of the color of my skin. And so I'm just so confused as to why so many people still support this, especially black folks. And so I really started to pose the question, did y'all forget? Like, really think about it. Did y'all forget how Starbucks treated us as black people? Did y'all forget how Starbucks treated your black friend, your black coworker, your black lover? Did you forget? I'm, I'm just wondering. Anyway, after this break, I'm gonna talk about how this is relevant today in 2020, especially relevant in light of the unfortunate loss of George Floyd's life and all the other lives that have been lost. Um, I'm gonna just talk about how how this this question is relevant today. So go and take you a little break, um, quick break, but you make sure that you continue to listen to my commercials um because you know i got that that second black person embedded up in here somewhere because you know joseph lee was really doing it so make sure you listen to that second scientist and see what he was up to i'll be right back Hey, you guys, this is the section of the commercial break where I give you all some updates on what's happening with my business. As I always say, I encourage you to listen to this whole commercial and the rest of the commercials because I have included some pretty cool cultural announcements throughout this episode. Also, I want you to remember that my business updates change. So do not assume that this commercial is the same as last week's episode because my commercials change from episode to episode. Um, You can just expect for it to randomly change. So make sure that you are always listening to it all the way through so that you can know what is happening and what updates are happening with my business. Alrighty. So what am I up to now? Well, let me catch you up. Um, Many of you know I have been promoting my book, Understanding and Working Within the Issues in the Black Community, which was set to be released on September 18th. Yes, I said was. The release date is changing because I have decided to switch publishing companies. Now, I know that might seem like a bummer to y'all, but for me, this is actually very exciting because I feel confident that I'm making this decision at the right time. And I just really want to make sure that what I'm giving you guys is on point. And so I've decided to switch companies because I want to make sure my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed. And I really, really feel like that this is going to 
um, really be done with the company that I'm deciding to switch over to. So just keep out a listening ear for when the new release date for my book will be. Y'all already know what the book is about. You already know that this is the book for you. And in case you forgot, go on ahead and check out the description on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. If you have already pre-ordered your book, a refund has been issued to you, Um, but keep your coins, honey, because my book will be available for purchase sooner than you think, okay? So keep an eye out for that. What is still very much available for pre-order is my cultural edition planner. That will be released still on November the 6th. Many of you know I make planners. I love to plan. And so when you combine my love for planning and my love for culture, who better to get you on your planning goals for next year than me. I really believe that being culturally aware is a daily journey and I am the perfect person to help you reach those goals because you gotta be culturally aware year round, right? So go ahead, pre-order your planner on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. You can find the planner for pre-order under the books and products tab. And that is also where you can find the description of my book, Understanding and Working Within the Issues in the Black Community. All right, y'all, these are the current updates for my business. Feel free to check them out on my website and they will help you bloom into your best self. So the question of did y'all forget is not just about Starbucks. Starbucks is more of a symbol Um, that kind of represents how we as Black people are treated in America. The question is about really thinking about what value, if any, society has towards the Black life, the Black experience, the feelings of Black people. And this is relevant because right now, like literally right now, if you are listening to this in real time in 2020, we are seeing that there is no value for black people. And I hate to say this, but let me just rewind. Cause I just said, if you listen to this in real time in 2020, but the truth of this matter is, and I, oh, I hate to say this, but it's true. I kind of feel like if you listen to this in 2021, if you listen to this in 2030, if you listen to this in 2040, if podcast is even still around at that time, and even if you still listen to my podcast, the truth of the matter is like, it's probably going to be the same stuff that we're dealing with like 20, 30 years from now. So like, I just had to kind of pause and say that as a black person, just because it's, it's really hard to believe that anything is going to change in this country. But anyway, I, I digress again, right now, this question is relevant because we see that there is no value for black people. Um, we see the way that George Floyd was murdered by by those cops that just shows the the lack of value the lack of humanization the lack of care for black people um and it just shows the way that society looks at us and it's been a lot of protest and looting around the loss of this man's precious life and you know thinking of this question did y'all forget has sparked also 
just a lot of conversation because a lot is happening right now in America. I mean, actually all around the world, like people are really recognizing the issues that the black community are facing. Um, And we've seen that protests have been peaceful and protests have been angry. And as a black woman, I can truly see both sides being justified in how they are responding. And, you know, I had a conversation with my husband the other day and I was kind of mentioning that I feel like we need to find a way to protest that like has a more lasting effect on America. Um, Because honestly, when this is all done, America ain't gonna do nothing but just rebuild stores that were looted and they're gonna just go on with life like regular, whereas we are still dealing with the wounds and the trauma and how this has affected us. And my husband had two good points. One, he reminded me that a majority of the looters have been white nationalists coming in to start trouble, actually tearing up our stuff. Um, And I, even me as a black woman, it's easy to forget that because of what stories and images the media is portraying. And if you really, really do some research and it don't take that long to like kind of see these videos that circulating on social media, it is a lot of white folks that's like starting fires and tearing up stuff. Um, it's a lot of non-residents of cities that are causing destruction. But the mainstream media will show images and videos and pictures of black people looting and destroying property. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Some of us are out there doing it. But the point of this is that it's really not just us tearing things up. And a lot of people that are just coming to cause issues and coming to ignite violence are the ones doing this. And a lot of that are white nationalists. Um, and then that that just kind of, I mean, again, we, we are some of, some of the people doing this, but we got to just pay attention. And that brings me to the next thing my husband said, which landed real hard with me. And I was like, wow, though. And so we were kind of talking about the fact that, yeah, some of us are responding violently and in a very angry manner. Um, But my husband said, you ain't gonna get nobody off your neck peacefully. Now, what is the message here? Y'all might be wondering if, I mean, if that wasn't clear, then I just, I'm gonna just need you to like, maybe click off and go pray or like just figure out why you are why you got a blind spot because if that statement you ain't gonna get nobody off your neck peacefully if that don't resonate with you I, I don't know but I'll break it down for you the message is sometimes you literally gotta fight for your life or you go die like literally and so George Floyd was in a position where he could not fight for his life he was not able to, right? It wasn't just that one cop that was holding him down. It was two others, right? And then there was another one that just stood by and watched. He literally could not fight for his life and he couldn't get that knee off his neck. So we are here to fight for him. And in case you forgot, I'm here to remind you, America has been choking the life out of black folks for centuries. America has been disregarding the lives of black folks for generations. And America has taken away our basic human rights since almost the beginning of time. Did you forget? 
I'll be right back, y'all. Let me collect myself. Go on, take a commercial break with me, and I'll be right back. Jan Ernest Matt Dillinger, 1852 to 1889. Jan Ernest Matt made possible the modernization of the shoe industry by designing and patenting a shoe lasting machine, which would automatically stitch the leather of the shoe to the sole. This invention resulted in a lower cost to both the shoe manufacturer and the customer. Matt Zillinger was born in Periamibo, Suriname, which is Dutch Guiana, in 1852. His mother was a native black of Suriname and his father an educated Dutch engineer from a wealthy and aristocrat family in Holland. At age 10, Matzinger worked as an apprentice in a government machine shop where his remarkable talent for mechanics surfaced. At age 19, he signed up on a merchant ship as a seaman for two years. After leaving the ship in Philadelphia, he worked at various odd jobs. A year later, Mazelinger arrived in Lynn, Massachusetts, where he remained for the rest of his life. Lynn was one of the leading shoemaking manufacturer centers, producing well over half of the nation's shoes. When Mazelinger arrived in Lynn, he could barely speak English. Mazelinger was able to secure a job with Harney Brothers, a shoe manufacturing factory. He attended evening school and learned to speak English fluently. While working at Harney Brothers as a mechanic, Metzellinger sought to solve a problem that baffled the shoe industry for a long time. Before Metzellinger's invention, the task of attaching the leather uppers to the sole was done by a costly and tedious manual process that required highly skilled craftsmanship. Handlasters were highly skilled and well-paid but their work was slow and ineffective. As a result, the price of shoes was extremely high. The last was a wooden model of the human foot. When a sole maker judged that the leather had been drawn over the last properly, the edges of the upper leather were tacked to the inner sole. The excessive leather at the toe was cut and drawn into plaits which was shaved off to produce a smooth surface when it was attached to the outer sole, usually by sewing. Metzellinger's machine made all of these complex operations more efficient. In the fall of 1880, Metzellinger constructed a miniature prototype of his shoe lasting machine out of bits of assorted hardware. After six months of hard labor, he produced a larger model. He was offer, offered excuse me, $50 for his invention, but rejected the offer. Later, he completed an improved model and was offered $1,500, but again, he refused. He eventually secured financial backing for his project, 
which enabled him to build a working model. His shoe lasting machine produced shoes 10 times faster than the hands of a shoe craftsman. Madzellinger invention made Lynn, Massachusetts, quote, the undisputed shoe capital of the world, end quote. Over the next two years, he obtained four more patents on specific improvements on his shoe lasting machine. By 1889, the demand for the new head laster had become worldwide. The companies that emerged, emerged excuse me, from the fruits of his labor formed the United Shoe Machinery Corporation and by 1955 had holdings of over a billion dollars. In 1886, Zellender caught a cold which developed into tuberculosis. He died in August 1889 at the age of 37. On May 16, 1967, the city of Lynn, Massachusetts honored its 19th century inventor. Sponsored by the local branch of the NAACP, May 16th was declared Jan E. Metzellinger Day. Today, in shoe manufacturing centers, machinery very similar to the Metzellinger or original is still used. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website, and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one. ST.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. So now what, right? Y'all probably like, Narissa, you done brought us down. You done just talked about all the sadness and we just don't feel no better after listening to this podcast well you know what these are the experiences i have as a black woman in society so you ain't gonna always feel better when listening to my stuff because these are my experiences thus the reason the podcast is called walk a day in my culture okay so if you can't take this little 30 45 minutes then you ain't really ready for the real cultural work and i'm just calling you out So you ain't going to necessarily feel better with what I'm about to say. But my thoughts are, I really think it's going to take a long time 
for America to get it. You know what I mean? Like it's going to take a really long time. I think America still don't get it. And I really think white America don't get it regardless of how conscious that they are. Uh, I was watching the news the other day and the reporter made the comment and I just, I was so pissed. I was like, what did he just say? He made the comment and he was like, um, it's so much happening out here. There's so many people protesting. It reminds me of a parade. We we haven't um, been able to collect and gather together because of this virus. And, you know, we weren't able to have the parades. And this reminds me of a parade. Now, that wasn't the worst of the comment. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But I was thinking to myself, I... I think he was trying to kind of show the beauty of a peaceful protest but in the light of a black man's life that was lost you want to equate a protest a racial riot basically regardless of how peaceful you want to equate that to a parade a parade is joyful a parade is fun a parade is like a great experience for most of the time with laughter and happiness and joy. We are out here protesting in tears and in pain and in sorrow. And you want to sit here and talk about this is like, it reminds me of a parade? Bruh, like really? But then if that wasn't the worst, this fool went on to say, You know, a nation can't go through anything like this and not experience any significant change. Something's gonna have to change. It just, it can't not change. And I just was like, is this a joke? Like as a black woman sitting there, I kind of was like, is this a joke? Like I'm really trying not to use four letter words right now. I'm like intentionally tempering myself, but I was sitting there like, I turned to my husband and I was like, what? Like, for real? Is this a joke? So for a nation to go through something like this, it cannot go through something like this and not experience significant change. Um, Excuse me, how many race riots have we had? How many, like Rodney King, didn't nothing change. We still getting beat by the police. We still damn near losing our lives by the police. And there was race riots then. I can remember that some 30 something years ago, okay? Ain't nothing changed since then. Ain't nothing changed since the boycotts in the South. Ain't nothing changed then. Let's talk about Black Wall Street. Has anything changed? No. A nation has gone through this before. A nation has gone through race riots and protests before and ain't nothing changed. Hello again. Yes, it's me. (laughs) I had to pause the podcast to just promote my monthly newsletter. Are you subscribed to my newsletter? If so, I really thank you for your subscription. It is greatly appreciated. If not, you are missing out. What are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. I have two versions of my newsletter. I have a free version and I have a paid version. Both of them are outlined on my website so you can find out what subscription works best for you. Honestly, it's not an excuse for you to not subscribe. I mean, what do you have to lose? You have a free version and you have a paid version. 
Both versions are high quality, they are superb, and you get cultural knowledge dropped on you every single month. So go subscribe. Again, go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Look under newsletter subscriptions, read the description, see which one works for you. Again, they are both very high quality, regardless of if you have the free version or the paid version. And sign up, like sign up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get back into the rest of this podcast. Okay. Like ain't nothing changed. I don't think anything is going to change until we just like something, we got to really just hit America where it hurts. And so I personally think in order for America to really, really get it, it is going to really have to be more than just us black people in this fight. And more than just for a few weeks or a few months or even a year or so, like this has got to be a long haul fight with not just blacks, but with blacks, with whites, with Asians, with Latinas, with Indians, with Middle Easterns, with people that are purple and with gray specks, okay? This is gonna have to involve everybody for a long time. Okay, and it can't be a fad. This cannot just be another time in history where we making protests and we talking about Black Lives Matter and we all out in the streets and we fighting and then in two or three years, George Floyd's family still ain't got no justice and ain't nobody remember him. Like this is not a fad, this is real life, okay? And this can't be something that is done because you feel like other people go judge you if you don't say nothing. So now let me just say something. Well, if that's the case, then don't say anything because it ain't sincere. So you might as well just keep your mouth closed. And I think the other thing is like allies, you have to speak up and you have to speak up constantly to the point where you just as tired as we are. Okay. When you start speaking up to that point, then maybe you have done your job as an ally. And that's gonna take a whole lot of speaking up, sweetie. Because if you ain't black, you don't understand the exhaustion that we have in the black community. So when you start speaking up to that point, to the point where you dog ass tired of speaking up, then that is when you know you are doing your part, okay? And you ain't always gonna speak up in a politically correct way. And some people gonna give you the side eye for what you are saying. And some people gonna passively come at you for what you are saying. And that's just what it is. But you gonna have to speak up raw and unapologetically. And you might have to hurt some people's feelings and you might have to hurt your own culture's feelings. You might just have to do that. That's what, that's what it's gonna take. And you gonna have to do it for a long time coming, okay? Sometimes you just gotta be raw and you gotta say shit real and you gotta say it raw. And so that's the only chance you have to get in somewhere halfway with these people is to be raw and unapologetic. And they might get it at that point. And so in light of the realness and the rawness, I'm gonna just say this to everybody listening, but I really want this to land especially, especially hard with the black people listening. The next time you pull up to a Starbucks to order whatever latte or venti or frappe thing you ordering, I want you to ask yourself if you forgot. Did you forget those black men in 2018 who were arrested? Did you forget Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant, Philandro Castile? 
Did you forget Eric Gardner, Sandra Bland, Savante Clark, or Nia Wilson? Have you already forgotten George Floyd? Sip on that. That's my rant for today. And that's what it is. You can leave a comment if you want to and let me know how you feel about today's episode. But I'm telling you right now, don't be leaving me no stank comments because I will come for you and you will get checked. This is not the episode to leave no nasty comment. Okay? So don't do it. Don't test my patience. Don't try me. You will be blocked, ignored, checked, and all of the above. Okay? So that's my rant for today. There is no cultural tidbit except for you to really think about If you are an ally, are you speaking up to the point where you are exhausted? And I mean like dog, tired, exhausted. And are you speaking up because you just want to be viewed as like down for the cause and being conscious and not viewed as one of those non-Black people that don't get it? Like really think about why you speaking up. That's, That's all I got for you with a cultural tidbit. So I thank y'all for listening. I thank y'all for tuning in. I thank y'all for accepting this episode as being very raw and blunt and unapologetic. They probably go be like this for a minute. Cause I mean, I, I just, I don't, I ain't got no warm and fluffy stuff. I mean, if something positive and culturally cute comes out in the next week or so, then, you know, I'll talk about it. But Otherwise, y'all finna just be getting some real raw, down, dirty episodes. Because I just, I can't come on here and just be fake and phony. Um, So until the next time we chat, I really, really hope, especially in light of all that's going on in this world, I really hope that you do something that'll help you bloom into your your best self, (laughs) not your next self. (laughs) Not your next self. We don't want you gone yet, but I hope you do something that'll help you bloom into your best self. And I, you know, I, like I said a couple of episodes ago when I talked about um, Ahmaud Aubrey, I ain't excited about y'all hearing my experiences next week, but I am excited that y'all want to keep listening and trying to be culturally aware. And so... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you come back and you join me next week so that you can walk another day in my culture.